dear podcast friends, welcome to Insights and Beyond, Digitalization, Sustainability and Technology. The podcast by Trelleborg Ceiling Solutions. You're in the right place if you're interested in the driving questions around topics like digitalization, electrification and sustainability. And above all, if you want to participate in a discussion with your exciting questions and comments. Experience the talks with our experts from Trelleborg and specialists from business, industry and research. So have fun with a new episode of Insights and Beyond. What do we get when you ask 10,000 people about e-mobility worldwide? A lot of tough numbers, about 30,000 euro, 31 minutes and about 469 kilometers. This is the result of a large-scale current study on what consumers worldwide expect from electric cars. So much for the tough numbers when it comes to our everyday mobility. But what about resources? Can we really all put our money on the e-mobility sector? I'm looking forward to an exciting discussion on key issues of e-mobility with Dr. Martin Busche, Director of Engineering at Ferris's Energy Europe and Professor Dr. Konrad Sauer, Vice President Innovation and Technology at Trelleborg Seeding Solutions. Hi, guys. Hey, hello. First question, and you know, this is always a tough task in our podcast. If someone were to give a book title about your impact on e-mobility, what would be the title of it? What's the right technology? That's I would put a question. You would put a question. I would put a question. I would love to read the answer. So hopefully you will write that book anytime. Exactly. Therefore, <laughs> it needs a book. Okay. So what's what about you? So probably I add a question. It's more the, the how. How to get the electrification uh, on the production lines how to get this work and probably this is more the scientific approach. Yeah, maybe you should uh, collaborate for it and you, you do a book series of it. Whenever yeah. you want. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. Um, everyone is talking about e-mobility and there are a lot of current issues and to be honest, there are a lot of upcoming and future issues we have to solve and we have to discuss. But my question is, what question would you like to be asked because the question is in your opinion something which is very important but at the same time very unnoticed yet the, the question is is immobility the only solution i think that's something which uh, a lot of people have in mind and i would be uh, very very happy if we could uh, answer that question today but i'm not sure if we're going to work it out but uh, what what about you martin so principally i would say it's the the question everybody of us keeps in mind so when we think back uh, back on our youth, when we drove all <laughs> individually on our small uh, 50cc um, two-stroke engined motorcycles, that was individual um, transportation at its best, I would say. It was freedom. And I think everybody of us will or wants to keep this kind of individual uh, transportation. And I think we should think of how to do that, how to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And that is more a current question than ever before because the corona crisis changed a lot. Now e-mobility uh, is something which is very, very important because the individual mobility has increased. I, I see it uh, in my own behavior. I take a lot of more times my car than I go by train or something like that. So it's a very important topic. And speaking of important topics, we had, uh, yeah, we had the honor to uh, 
join the virtual conference of Trelleborg in the summer. And we ask our audience to ask their questions, but we weren't able to discuss every question and to answer every question. So we picked up some right now and I hope we can answer them. So here's the first question uh, of our audience. Is there a sustainable solution to produce enough batteries so that all cars could be replaced by electric cars? Well, I think first and foremost, the, the question uh, points to the fact that we have enough resources. And um, if we were to throw away all the batteries at the end of the useful life, the answer would be no. So recycling definitely needs to come into play. And a, a very important aspect is we will need a lot of energy to produce the minerals, to recycle those minerals. One key question is, is there enough sustainable forms of energy? And by the way, sustainable forms of water supplies. Exactly. I think uh, this is a very valid point. Recycling is key for the next and the uh, generations which come after the next generation of the batteries to have enough resources. This is as well key. And if we speak again of geologi geological available resources, I would say in case we do not want to electrify 100% of the cars with 1,000 kilometer of range, it's a clear yes, there are enough resources available. The second question is, are they available right now? So if we think of a most recent study, uh, which which uh, stated that we would at least electrify need to electrify one quarter of the yearly or annual production of cars, that's 18 million cars in one year, the answer would be no. So a temporary shortage of resources is, of course, a thing that is ahead of us <laughs> or a that, thing that will come. Yeah, yeah that reminds me uh, of the Corona situation when everyone ran out uh, of toilet paper and we all thought, what is going on here? I mean, there's really enough toilet paper on earth, but not in a supermarket for, for a period of time. So this was a good example, I think, for uh, the problem with the resources. But um, therefore, we have another question of the audience and someone asked, I see the first 10 years of bottlenecks, but sufficient raw materials. Which raw materials do you see as insufficient for battery vehicles? Well, I would contradict myself if I, if I would state one now. So it's not about the general abundancy. It's more about how do we source it. And if we speak about, I would say everybody knows what are the most critical resources required for a lithium-ion battery. That's lithium. Um, on, and um, on, the other, on the other hand, it's cobalt. Both of these metals are sufficiently available, but we need to think from an ethic perspective and we need to think from a monetary perspective. Do we want to take all of these resources and do we want to take them at any cost? Because we as Farasis, as you may know, um, out of the media have uh, signed a sustainability partnership with Daimler. And uh, by that, we... Um, Agreed, and we commit to only source materials out of our whole supply chain um, with a sustainable approach and with an ethic approach. So we would not source cobalt out of mines um, where children are working. Um, and by that, I think, how to say, to, to reduce the cost lever, which is, of course, connected with this decision, 
we need to reduce cobalt, for instance. And there's one very, um, how to say, it was very surprising, therefore I want to <laughs> want to state it. Uh, yesterday evening I had a long talk with my uh, doctor father um, and we, we discussed on what might be uh, a scarce resource and this, there was something very, very surprising that's naturally abundant graphite. No one would ever thought about, or I would never thought about it, that graphite is scarce, but it's so costly and it's so expensive and you need such high energy to produce graphite in a large scale that currently you just can take naturally abundant graphite and if you want to produce like batteries for 240 million cars which is one quarter of the cars currently running in the world it would not be enough graphite and that's a surprise for my side well at the end of the day i said it in the introduction it is energy sustainable energy energy with zero carbon footprint that we will need to mine the resources, recycle them, remelt them, use them. Um, th that is one of the key contributors. But that is not only a question of e-mobility. I think that's a larger societal question. Absolutely. And yeah. something um, which is very important uh, from a business perspective. So it's not all about uh, gaining uh, those materials. It's not all about gaining energy. It's also about managing energy, energy and managing resources. So how do you do it at Trelleborg, for example? Absolute key question. And I mean, we are um, a supplier very early on in the, in the value chain. You, you don't see our products in, in the daily life We discussed that in another podcast. Uh, but for us, it is the contribution towards making systems leaner, more efficient, take friction out, take mass out, where th that the overall energy consumption is being reduced. That's where we hope to contribute together with our partners, um, making systems better all the time. I mean, th we all know that we currently consume three times as many uh, resources and and. Um, energy as the the, the earth could reproduce. So we, we need to reduce that footprint. It does not happen overnight. It's not that we cut out a third of – or back to a third of consumption. It's, it's a policy of small steps, but we need to start now. And while you approach it from the energy consumption, we as a battery manufacturer can approach it from making more sustainable, more longer-lasting systems. So speaking about batteries, which are on the one hand – designed for recycling, DF, DFR, mm -hmm. or which are on the one hand lasting, just lasting longer. So I think since decades we are working on lithium-ion batteries, there is still more to go in an evolutionary step to increase the cycle life of batteries. And in that case, you can not use them for the whole life of a car, so which would be in the be best case the first life, but use it as well for second life solutions like um, power power grids or um, leveling fluctuating uh, renewable energies and i think this is uh, one one other key to come to a most sustainable um yeah electrification Uh, you mentioned a keyword right now which is important for our audience as well because someone asked what does the future recycling concept uh, for batteries look like in short complete <laughs> so we we need to omit to take the yeah, to take any of the scarce materials out of the value chain meaning we shall reuse every single grain of lithium which is inside the battery every single grain of cobalt or we need to omit cobalt closing the loops i guess is is the key exactly. word exactly 
that we would, would need to control the material flows that opposite to other waste streams like plastics or electronic scrap, things disappear somewhere in the Asia-Pacific region and God knows what happens with it and children burn it up to recollect the metals and stuff. That That is a, a horror scenario. Exactly. So I think from a societal perspective, we need to get the material flows structured and organized. Can we organize it on our own? On I mean, like every company says, yeah, we're, we're not doing this. You, you mentioned uh, your your deal <laughs> with uh, Daimler that you say uh, we are sustainable and we have uh, we take care of all these social aspects or do we need some let's say a recycling rate uh, a regulation to to push those topics forwards another quota that doesn't work <laughs> I, I i have no clue what you're talking the, about <laughs> no i don't think that regulation or detailed regulation will be the solution. What we would need is, is incentives. It has to be an economically feasible market. Uh, and of course, it, it needs to be structured and organized. So if, when, the, when there is a business, uh, people will use these. Uh, of course, you want to prevent that things go into undefined ways. Um, so framing the, the process right, but then make it a business. But that's a good question. Uh, I want to dive in deep uh, into that topic because I think a lot of people out there, a lot of entrepreneurs are sitting there um, observing the things that are going on and they ask yourself, how can I be and become more sustainable? I don't know where to start. It's quite similar to the situation if you say, yes, I want to lose weight, but I have no clue where to start. So what is your advice? Where can the entrepreneurs, the people in businesses start in getting their businesses more sustainable? Well, first and foremost, that, that's not a, a simple question um, because sustainability has a lot of dimensions. If um, I do the one thing, it could have a very negative consequence uh, that I have not thought of. So first and foremost, I guess it is being aware of what my footprint is and see where can, where's my sphere of influence and then determine where I would, would like to start. And I, for Trelleborg, I can say we looked into where we have our biggest footprint. And it's not so much that it is our own production and, and our own carbon footprint. For us, it's helping our customers designing, producing and delivering more efficient systems and solutions. So we help our customers with more efficient systems. Yes, of course, we do the nitty-gritty small things that we have uh, around our plans, the, the usual housekeeping things. They are important as well because they, they show the commitment. But it, it is for all of us important to see where do we have the greatest impact. Mm. So the chief light master of <laughs> a business, that's, that's, that's what I am. I always say, switch off the light, please, when you leave the room. This is something I really yeah. Yeah, you keep see, we, in mind. We, we, we have made that person redundant. We went to automated <laughs> systems. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, but I like to do it because that's the one day, uh, one part of the day where I can uh, be the, the, the grumpy boss uh, at, our, at my business. So this is a good thing. Yeah, switch off the light. <laughs> but I have to, uh, to ask one question. I was not good in chemistry. So in my head, a battery isn't something which is in any case sustainable with all those things in there, like lithium and all these other things. It's not like a banana. I throw it, throw it away and it's, it's okay for my environment. If I throw something away, it's always, yeah, it's always a bad thing for the environment or am I totally wrong? 
well, of course, there is uh, only a very small fraction of compostable um, <laughs> components in a battery. So we speak about structural elements, which which are uh, aluminum foremost, which are plastics, plastic material. Um, of course, you mentioned lithium. From my perspective, this is probably something you can have in a closed loop. Lithium is quite so. So you can win a very huge fraction, a ninety nine. 0.9% out of a battery uh, when it comes to lithium. But of course, this is again, um, as we just heard, um, an energy con consuming um, process and it's a costly process. And therefore, well, we need to establish a market for recycling uh, companies, which, well, invest. And you were talking about entrepreneurship, which, um, yeah, get good ideas how to most completely recycle batteries. So maybe we can discuss that uh, afterwards. I think that's a good topic for us, our our new business project, making recy recycling uh, yeah, efficient and, of course, a new business model out of it. Um, I've got another question, and I have the feeling that we have a lot of nerds uh, <laughs> within our uh, community because it's a very specific question. And the person also mentioned it before she or he asked the question. Um, I quote a very specific question. Do you see a trend towards increasingly large cells and battery systems without using battery modules? Well, answering that from a battery manufacturer's point of view, I would say yes. Indeed, clear. We should do that. So, And you already saw it at the Tesla battery show, although it was not the, let's say, topmost innovative show uh, we, we saw from that company. Um, it just makes sense to increase the size of the smallest building block of the battery, which is the cell, um, because it makes it from a volumetric perspective, from a cost perspective, from a specific, so from a weight perspective, more efficient because you... Uh, the, the fraction of components which do not help you in storing energy just gets smaller. But you need to have a look uh, on the function and you need to have a look on the f on the safety. So uh, there might be a reason to still keep modules in the battery pack for the reason that you still need this logic order inside the, the pack because you need to be able to uh, diagnose the, all the cell voltage during the full operation of the battery. So ju not just second by second, but all the time. And um, you need to find the sweet spot of battery cells which are big enough to be cost efficient and which are safe enough. Because if you just um, mount the cells next to each other, of course, you need to take care that your battery stays safe. So you and, and we as Pharisees are um, thoroughly working on finding solutions to prevent thermal runaways, to prevent um, that uh, a battery enlights the, the or, or um, heats up the battery which is next to it. Um, and of course, there, getting to extremely big cells, speaking of 200 or, or more ampere hours, might be challenging. Well, I think there is another aspect besides the, the pure technology. For me, it's maintenance. And when I drive such a car, what I want is that this battery pack can be maintained. What I don't want is that things are being thrown away and I need to be putting 20,000 bucks on the table to replace a big system. Exactly. I mean, I, I do it for my headlights these days and I'm getting angry all the time when I pay 250 bucks for a new set of headlights 
where only the light bulb is broken. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I see th- there's there's pros and cons, and there has to be a balance between those two aspects. Um, so the like with many things in life, the answer is not black and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we have to address that to the battery producer. Lucky us here sitting one. So <laughs> we're um, we have got another question, which is, in my opinion, also a very nerdy question. But it's very cool to uh, see that the people are practically minded um, and the question is is there a foreseeable time frame for the next generation of battery cells and what would their performance compared to the current cells be honestly i don't think that there is a generation yet we are still in uh, revolutionary and evolutionary developments at the same time so i think a lot of things are happening so there is probably not a, a major leap step improvement that we can say it's in six and a half years and two days. Uh, we see ongoing improvements. And I think that will be for the next foreseeable future, that we will see small steps, some breakthroughs here, some breakthroughs there. Um, I, I see it rather as a curve than a, a leap step change. So it's, it's an evolution. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I think we already see in the market that there is still some room for improvement for the actual state-of-the-art lithium-ion battery. So I think we can at least have one-third more in energy density in the next years. Uh, and this is actually what is what Ferris is working on as well. So we are um, pointing or targeting like 360 and more watt-hours per kg, which is almost a third more than we currently have with 280 watt-hours per kg. Um, And speaking of a revolution, so going to the real next-generation systems or going to solid-state systems, which may be a key enabler for next-generation systems, this is something I wouldn't wouldn't dare to state if it is in a few years or a few tens of years. I would say up, up to the middle of the 21st century, we shall find a solution <laughs> or we need to be so fair and get another path. Mm-hmm. And we should not forget energy density is one thing. Loading cycle times is, is yet another. Yeah. It's, it's more complex yes, exactly. than that. I know that you're partnering with uh, Porsche, for example, for the uh, e-engine for the drivetrain technology. Um, can you give us maybe some numbers, <laughs> how you increase the efficiency or, or other targets you have, just to, to create a picture what is possible with even those small solutions like uh, yeah, ceiling solutions? Yes, of course. We work with uh, leading OEMs and their tier one suppliers. Uh, and really, it is about taking one, two percent of friction here, improving the efficiency by one to three percent there. And, and sometimes it's even more. We, we talk about orders of magnitude, 20, 25 percent efficiency gains that can be optimized. But um, uh, on another point, the, the world has changed. We are no longer in this eight-year product mm-hmm. renewable cycle. We have concurrent engineering. Um, customers jump in and out of projects. The, the whole industry has become so agile that what we work on today may no longer be relevant um, the next day. Um, or we pick out old things and said, well, we need to go back to that. The other thing didn't work. Uh, I guess that is the the bigger challenge to see how can we get the overall efficiency, but then um, get robust systems that really work in sync because we reinvent the wheel. It is not like if you were a designer of an internal combustion engine and you need to look for someone that does a standard water pump, you don't have to go to yellow pages. <laughs> for e-mobility, we have to solve a couple of challenges that we were not aware of more like the manufacturer idea and more the, the, the 
boutique thing or <laughs> yet. Absolutely. Uh, yeah, I, I see. Uh, I almost forgotten my favorite part of a podcast because we were discussing that much about e-mobility. E But the favorite part of my podcast is solution or sci-fi. I'm going on to read out a line and I want to hear from you. Is that kind of a solution for a future? Is that true? Or is it more like an idea for a sci-fi movie? So here's your line. E-mobility will only be one part for future mobility. Solution or sci-fi? It's definitely solution. Yeah, that's true. Everything else would be sci-fi. <laughs> um, you were talking about um, uh, evolution before, and I have no idea how to estimate it because I don't know if it's really useful, is it valuable, or is it just like a like a small step towards the the big masterpiece e-mobility. What do you think is hybrid a smart transition to e-mobility, or is it more like? Yeah, that's good for gamification and for, let's say, a soft transition towards e-mobility. Was it really, really useful right now? Mm, I think it is, at the first sight, it's a feasible solution. Right now, um, the market is still demanding cars, which you can take and drive down to the Gardasee without refueling. This, the current e BEV, so battery electronic vehicles, can with some, let's say, exclusions, Are, they are not able to, to do that. Um, well, it is possible to get small, let's say, shoebox-sized 48-volt systems for mild, uh, um, for mild hybridization. And you can have plug-in uh, hybrid electric vehicles, which have like 30% electrification. The rest of it is, uh, is um, the, the combustion engine. And with these cars, you are able to travel what the market still is demanding, like 1,000 kilometers or 800 kilometers. And therefore, I would say it's the logical next step. And speaking about quotes, you mentioned that at the beginning, it's currently not only feasible, it's necessary to meet the CO2 um, targets. Otherwise, uh, the OEs wouldn't be able with their fleets to meet the restrictions. Mm. The, the numbers I, I read out at the beginning were uh, 31 minutes. There was, uh, just to mention it, that was the, uh, the charging duration they accept. And the, um, yeah, the, the reach they want to have with an electric car is uh, 469 kilometers. So it's not 800, it's 469. And I think most of the electric cars here in Germany, they, um, yeah, they get it. So uh, we're at the end of our podcast. And at the end of our podcast, we always do the ceiling test because we have some uh, material which is used for sealing. And I know that Konrad is um, is angry with me when I say it like that, but I, I, I name it. Uh, it's rubber. <laughs> There are two aspects of rubber I really like most. It's one time it's the resilience. And on the other hand, it's flexibility. Flexibility, I think we need no explanation for that. But resilience is the capability of a material to return in its initial state after a huge pressure, for example. So here's the ceiling test for you. Where do we need to become more resilient to drive e-mobility forward? And where do we have to become more flexible? Like with my beautiful elastomer materials. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> as, a, as a society and as consumers, we have to be, get more flexible in terms of the mobility approach. I mean, you mentioned the, the freedom when we were 15 and had uh, our little motorcycles. 
um, immobility will have to well mobility individual mobility will have to change. What we are used to today may no longer be possible in the future. So I think we have to be flexible, but we also have to be resilient enough to say, well, that's what I really need um, to go back to where we where we have the basics. So I think there's a, a lot with my beautiful elastomers. <laughs> Well, from a battery developer's perspective or a battery manufacturer's perspective, um, I would like to connect both games of yours. So you were talking about truth or sci-fi. Mm -hmm. And there we saw there will be a, a variety of possible solutions. And the same it is in the lithium-ion battery development. So there are many paths to go. And I think we shall be resilient to go. The, uh, to, we, we shall be resilient enough that in the case we see one path does not lead anywhere, we need to get back to the beginning and restart or probably we should be flexible enough to go on multiple paths in parallel. Well, thank you so much for your time and thanks for the tutoring in chemistry and material science. I really learned a lot and I hope that you are flexible enough to do another session with me. I'm looking forward to that and I say thanks for a moment. Thank you. You're welcome. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in. Hope you enjoyed this episode. If you don't want to miss anything, just subscribe to our podcast. And of course, we are happy to receive feedback from you. So we're looking forward to your ratings and comments. And of course, we still want to answer your questions. Therefore, feel free to write us at info.podcasts at Thanks a lot and see you next time. <laughs> <laughs>